thankful as well, and I'm sorry, forgive my <clears throat> gravelly voice. I got some sinus stuff dealing with this too, so uh, prayers are appreciated. But First uh, Samuel 15, and stand with me if you would, um, as we, we honor the reading of the Word of God tonight, First Samuel 15. And I want to talk to you, kind of continue the thought that we got into a few Wednesday nights ago about authority. And, um, you know, we talked a lot about what your attitude is toward authority. And hopefully it kind of pushed you, kind of challenged you a little bit. But tonight I'm going to kind of flip that coin and go, okay, we looked at what your attitude is toward authority. And hopefully you got a little bit of an attitude check uh, on that, that, that Wednesday evening. Kind of go, how do I view authority in my life? Uh, listen, let me say it like this. It's easy to obey when someone tells you something that you already want to do. All right? That, that's, that's easy. Uh, when, when real submission comes into play and real obedience comes into play is when an authority higher than you tells you to do something that you don't want to do. And when that happens, that's when you have a choice to submit or to rebel. Now, you may go, well, no, there's other choices. I might, I might do it my own way. Maybe I'll submit. I'll, I'll do what they want me to, what God says to do, but I'll, I'll kind of find my own way. And I, I just want you to understand that partial obedience is disobedience. First uh, Samuel 15, look at verse number 1. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. Now, if you were wondering what this meant, because God does not like to leave gray area, because when he leaves gray area for us, we fill it with gray things. Amen. And so the Lord goes, if you don't know what I mean by spare not, look what it says the rest of the verse, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass, and Saul get... Now, you may go, well, I think that's too far. I don't know why any loving God would ever ask someone to do that. And I would say this, and I mean this sincerely. I don't mean to be uh, uh, caustic when I say this. That's because you're ignorant of history. If you knew what these nations did, listen, I just came back from Mexico. We went to Chichen Itza, uh, where the Mayans did their, you know, pyramid stuff. And, and, and they talked about finding the skeletal remains of three and four-year-old children without their heads in the cenotes from archaeological discoveries because this is what their God required was that they, act, that they sacrifice their innocent, uh, pure children to their God. You can say whatever you want to, but my God isn't that God. Right? There is a difference between gods. There is several gods, but there's only one real God. All right? And so as it relates to when you read something like this, you may go, oh, I can't believe a God of love would do that. It's only because you don't know what those people were doing to their own children. So God says, wipe them all out. Is that, is that plain English enough? All right, he tells them, wipe them out. So what does Saul do? Look, if you would... At verse number 7. And Saul smote the Amalekites. It sounds good so far. From Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites. What's the next word? And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But but, did he? Because watch what it says. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs, and all that was what? Who determines what's good? That's the right answer, but in our lives, who does that, right? That's the issue. That's the issue. And would not utterly, look what it says here, and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they utterly, that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he is, what's the next two words? Let, let me just stop right here. When you don't obey God in what he tells you to do, you're turning back. Amen. Right. That's it. 
You go, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of obeying, I'm kind of listening, and, and I'm doing what God wants me to do, but I just don't want to go all the way. I mean, after all, God, are you sure of all the details? Can't I decide some of this, and can I look at this, and can't I decide for myself what is good? Well, yes, you can, but let me remind you, the first time someone decided on their own what was good, it was Eve in the garden when she saw the tree was good for food, and that led us to where we're at today. So you deciding what's good on your own is actually not good. Look what it says here in verse number 11 at the end of the verse about Samuel, the man of God. What did he do all night long? It bothered him. It bothered him that the man that he had anointed to be king by God's authority was taking the authority that he had and going against God's authority. Now, when Samuel goes to meet Saul, look what it says in verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. It sounds so pious. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen, which... I hear. And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. <laughs> they, not me, they. For the people, not me, they, spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. I kind of like how Saul says they did the bad thing, but we did the right thing together. Right. Did you catch that? The pronouns are important they and then we, all right? Then Samuel said to Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said to him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee, O king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord has sent me, and have brought Agag the king of, the, of, of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, and sheep, and oxen, the cheap of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice on the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in what? Obeying, Obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And hearken in the fat of rams. Four. What's the next word in verse 23? Rebellion. Rebellion. It says the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, tonight we come to you. We ask for your help. Lord, first I pray that if there's anybody here tonight, anybody that may be watching online that doesn't know what it means to be saved, they've never submitted to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. They've not submitted to the righteousness of your truth and your authority, God. I pray that that tonight might be the night of their salvation. And Lord, I pray for every believer in here tonight. God, we, we want to be aligned with you. Lord, as, as we look at our own lives and as we look at how you view rebellion, God, would you break our hearts tonight? Lord, would you help us to be soft? Would you help us to be tender? Would you not allow us to stay, Lord, uh, uh, proud and, and stubborn in our own ways, but rather yielded, Lord, to what you want, yielded to your voice, yielded to your will. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Last time we looked at your attitude on authority. This time we're kind of flipping that coin and going, okay, when you don't respond the right way, how does God look at it? And you may go, well, I feel like I've obeyed like Saul did. And that's a human response. Nobody likes being called out in the carpet. Nobody likes being told you were wrong. Nobody likes being said, no, listen, none of us want to be told you did not handle that the right way, especially by some dumb Bible-thumping preacher. That's what Samuel was to Saul. I'm the king. Who are you to come and tell me that I'm wrong? That's what Samuel and Saul were dealing with, and Saul had the opportunity before God and before his people to do exactly what God said. But here's what Saul did. 
Saul said, God, I know what you said, but I've got a better idea. And Lord, I'm going to obey you up to a point, and then after that point, I'm going to fill in the blanks, and I'm going to do this my own way. And let me just say this right now. That is something that we often do as human beings. Can I get a witness? It's very easy to go, look, God, I did what you said up to this point. I thought that was reasonable. That made sense to me. But Lord, here's this line, and this is the line of reason. And God, in my human intellect, that doesn't make sense. Therefore, I'm not going to do what you said. I'll do it my own way. And Saul, just like we had the opportunity to reign, the Bible says he had made us to be kings and priests. And you have to understand, Saul's a picture of the flesh. And you know what the flesh wants? The flesh wants to look like on the outside that it's doing everything right, while on the inside having its own agenda. Right. And, and, and listen, if you, are, if you are one that looks at authority the wrong way, you know what you're always going to be tempted to do? Rebel against that authority. Well, how does God look at that? He calls it witchcraft. Look back at verse 1. Can I show you a couple things? Verse number 1. Samuel said unto Saul, The Lord sent me. The Lord sent me. I want you to see this, underline this, because it shows the idea of authority. The authority came from God. God gave it to Samuel. And then Samuel anoints Saul. And therefore, Saul is under the authority of the man of God, under God himself. And by being submitted to that, Saul was right with God. As soon as he stepped out from underneath that authority, he said, I've got it myself. I can handle it from here. I don't mean to pick on the kids, young people. I get it. I was young once. I just spent a number of days with my dad recently. And all I can tell you is this. The older that I've gotten, the more I've appreciated my dad. And the more I realized he wasn't dumb and he, he wasn't just a cheap, cheapskate, he was trying to feed six kids and he knew a lot of things that I didn't understand. But when I was young and I was, I was you know, I, listen, I'll tell you what right now, I don't mean to pick on you guys, but you oftentimes are going to be tempted to think, man, my parents are idiots if they just could understand. And the reality is they understand more than you think they do. And, and when you get older, you're going to go, man, why did I push so hard against that authority in my life? Because when I push against authority, I'm not just pushing against my parents. I'm not just pushing against the government. I'm not just pushing against the pastor. I'm pushing against God. That's the issue with rebellion. And, and Saul, uh, in his own mind, thought, I can handle this. I, I know what God said, but look at verse number nine. Can I point this out to you in verse nine? Verse 9 says, but Saul and the people spared Agag. I don't care how much peer pressure you have. At the end of the day, who is it that God goes to and said, you did this wrong? It was Saul. You know why? Because the word of the Lord came to Saul. And God had sent him on a journey. Uh, look at verse number 10. Can I, this, to me, breaks my heart. You know what it says here in verse 10? God was sorry. Now, can I say this? One thing that the Lord will never say. He'll never say, I'm sorry that I saved you. Thankful for that. But you know what he might say? I am sorry that I entrusted you with this great responsibility, and this is how you handled it. It repenteth me. I've given you these children, and you're not handling your authority the right way. I've given you a wife, and you're not handling your authority the right way. I've given you people to minister to, and you're not handling your spiritual authority the right way. Can I say it like this? The, Lord, the last thing you ever want to hear from God is, man, I'm sorry that I gave that to you. Modern Christianity doesn't think that can ever happen. You know what we call that? It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Where you stand in front of the Lord, and everything that He gave you, goes up in flames or becomes gold, silver, and precious stones. Are you saved tonight? Amen. If you're saved, there's going to come a day when you sit face to face with Jesus Christ, the same one that said, let there be light, and there was light, and you're going to walk up there like this. You're going to go just like this, all right? And when that day comes, the Bible says, not past that, now that the great white throne judgment, every knee's going to bow, and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. No one's going to walk up to the Lord, uh, up to his throne, you know, like this, you know, or like they do in the, you know, in the music videos. You know, they're not going to do that. They're going to get up there and fall on their face. And when you stand before the Lord, that's exactly what you're going to do. 
And he's going to say, okay, Adrian, I gave you this many people to minister to. I give you this much time. I give you this much money. I give you this much intellect. What did you do with it? Man, Adrian, I am so sorry. I gave all that to you, and that's how you chose to use it. But Lord, I had my own thoughts about how my life should go, and I, I had my own thoughts about how my marriage should go, and how my time should be spent, how my, my, my spiritual authority with church, but Lord, I just had my own thoughts about that, and I, I obeyed you up to a point. And that's why you're going to miss out on all the things he wants for you. It repenteth me. That's what he says in that passage. Can I point some other things out to you? Just looking through the passage. Look at verse 13. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. No, you didn't. You're lying. Well, yeah, I did. I mean, practically. You, you parents ever tell your kids to do something? And... And like you tell them, clean this or do this or whatever. And you come back like, what is that? And they're like, really, mom? You're going to point out the one thing I didn't do right? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Didn't I give you clear instructions on what? Can, can, come on now. Some of you are smiling and nodding. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and, then, and then they go, well, why are you getting upset about that? Because I told you what to do. Well, mom, didn't you see everything else that I did? I did, and I thanked you for that. But that should have been done. And that was included in the task. Why wasn't that done? I didn't think it was a big deal. Now, you parents are already like, oh, yeah, you, you get them, preacher. Get those young people. <laughs> but you do that to God all the time. In verse 14, I, I think it's kind of funny, a little comical. <laughs> you know? It's like, I did everything God wanted me to do. Meh. <laughs> And Samuel's like, well, Saul, just to be clear, you wiped everything. Oh, we wiped everything out. <laughs> Except for that. Well, why, why, didn't you, why didn't you wipe that out? Well, it's, it's, it, we could use that for sacrificing to God. I mean, isn't that something I could use for God? Yeah, but God doesn't want that. Amen. Now, in a couple weeks, shortly, Lord willing, next Wednesday night, if we get there, we're talking about music. And I can already tell. Vroom. It's kind of like, whoa, Pastor, tread lightly. You know? I got some that like banjo in here. I got some of you that are like, who's that white redneck likes banjo, you know? I got some of you like Christian rap. I got some of you like pop Christian. I got some of you like Christian and marijuana. I don't know, whatever else. And you got your own ideas about things. And look, I, I promise we're not going to go down, what does Pastor Adrian like? Because if we did, it'd be like this, all right? That's not what you need in your life. But it's what I like. Do you understand? Just because I like something doesn't mean you need it or that we should engage in it. All right? So what I, I want you to understand is we're going to talk about music, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to go, yeah, but. Yeah, but what does the Bible say about it? What, what is it? Is the Bible your actual final authority? I love it when someone's like, man, I'll tell you what, this Bible right here, this one right here, from cover to cover, and including the cover and the maps and the concordance and all of it. I believe every single, it's all inspired by God. And if someone brings a different kind of Bible to church, like, that ain't the right Bible. Get a new Bible. It's King James Bible. That's the right one right there. But then when it comes to things that are in it, that someone, the preacher will get up and say, here's what the Bible says about music. You're like, well, that's just his opinion. Do you, we haven't even gotten there, and you're already kind of, you know, and what I'm trying to get at is this. If you're not careful in your life, you will obey God up to a point. And then it's like, okay, I'm done. And you don't realize it. You're, in your mind, you're like, I've obeyed. In God's mind, he's like, you rebelled. Because you knew. And you chose to go, I'm going to go this far, and the rest, I'm just going to kind of ad-lib it. You know, and, and, and God's just going to have to be okay. And you need to understand this. God's not okay with that. Now listen, if he, if he was okay with that, why would he put his son on a cross and then turn his back on his son when he bore your sin if he's okay with that? Thank God you're saved. Thank God it's under the blood. Thank God your soul and your flesh are not joined. Thank God for all of that. Thank God you're eternally secure. But don't forget who God is. He's still holy, he's still righteous. He wants things done a certain way in your life. And Saul says, I, I got it, God, I can, I can handle this. But the reality is you can't ha- hide your rebellion forever. Eventually, it tells on you. Amen. 
Eventually, you hear it in the background of your life. Look at verse 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And watch this. The Lord anointed thee. Now question. Who was the person that actually took the oil and poured it on Saul's head? It's the guy that's talking to him. And yet Samuel goes, God did it. Why? Because Samuel was just a human instrument. He's the guy doing this. But he's not the one that can put the Spirit of God on him. And he's not the one that, that had the authority. His authority came from the highest authority. And so what Samuel's trying to do for Saul is he's trying to remind him, look, it is the Lord that put his hand on you. It's the Lord that saved you. It's the Lord that has filled you. It's the Lord that has sealed you. His spirit in your life has anointed you to do something. Now, I don't care if you're in high school or if you're, you know, middle-aged and every time you look at a donut, you get fatter. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. But regardless of, of, of socioeconomic status or age or race or whatever else, if you are saved, God has anointed you with His Spirit to do something in your life for Him. And you're going to decide how far you go with that. And some, a rare few, are going to go, I'll go all the way. Many are called, but few are chosen. And then there'll be a, a vast majority go, you know what, I'll serve Him. I'll come to church. And listen, you need to understand this right now. This is not about my feelings about this. I'm happy you guys come to church at all. I'm serious. I, there have been days where I've literally bawled my eyes out before coming to church and go, why, Lord, why, why have you brought anyone here? Why do they listen to me? And God, I, I, don't, I don't even get it, but Lord, I'm thankful for it. it I, I'm thankful you even come. This isn't about me. This is about you and your walk with the Lord. And, and many will go, Lord, I will obey you. I'm going to follow you up unto this point right here. And then I'm going to kind of fill in the blanks. Like Saul. Look at verse 18. Who sent Saul to do this? The Lord. Can I ask you, what's the sign over that door? It says you are now entering the mission field. The Lord sent you out of here to do something out there. And, 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 and listen, it's not even just about giving out tracts and telling people about the Lord. That's so important. I don't want to take away from that. But I want to tell you right now, I have literally met people and known people that would do that. And at the same time at home, they were mentally and, and verbally abusive to their spouse. It's wicked. So I want you to understand it's not just so win, so win, so win. There has to be some character built in your life. You can't just hide under the blanket of winning people to Christ all the time. You've got to build some spiritual muscles in your life after you get them saved. What example are you going to give them if you don't have it yourself? You know where it goes back to? It goes back to submitting to God's authority when you don't want to. You know how it's tested? When your wife says something and you want to go, Or your husband says something and you want to just... Because, ladies, you remember what happened on August 2nd, 1997 at 7.37 p.m. He was wearing this and he said this and I got it. It's in the vault and I'm going to bring it out whenever I need it. <laughs> they say an elephant never forgets. A woman never forgets. <laughs> amen. I'll amen myself, ladies. That's okay. Uh, do, do, do you understand, though, th these are the moments where it counts. A woman walks by, it's an attractive gentleman, and your eye caught it. it didn't, you didn't do anything wrong by seeing someone walk by, but then you want to look again? Stop, boy. Put your eyes where they belong. Get them off that. Because that second look becomes a third look, becomes a fourth look, then your mind wanders. Before you know it, you're addicted to something online you have no business looking at at all. You see what it is? It all goes back to authority. Can you submit to authority when you don't want to? You're on the job, and the boss tells you, I want this done this way. And you do it, and you do it your own way. Well, my way was better. Okay, fine. If you think your way is better, go back to the boss and go, hey, I thought of another way to do this. Do you want, is it okay if I run it that way? See, right there, you're like, well, my boss is an idiot. You don't know my boss. 
Here's what, there's a reason you're not him or her. <laughs> Whoa, I made a lot of friends right there, didn't I? Someday you might be. And you know what you're not going to want? Every single jack wagon on your team telling you how you should have done your job. You know what's hard? It's hard to go, okay. Now, I'm going to get to some things that I think some of you are going to help alleviate the fact you think I'm just saying blindly following authority. I never believe that from the scriptures. But when it comes to someone telling you to do something that's not against the Bible, teacher at school tells you to shut up. Now, maybe they say it in a better way. <laughs> but, but, but maybe they do say, hey, shut up. You know what you're tempted to do as a, as a student in high school? You want beef teacher? <laughs> She's 85, dude. What are you proving right now? You're some macho man to take down a woman? What's wrong with you? But there's that immediate response. You get pulled over by a policeman. <laughs> I've watched it. And they come up and they've gotten that. Maybe they had a bad day. You know, I love the fact that everyone knows what, what someone else should be doing in their profession. I don't tell accountants how to do their accounting. I'm not an accountant. You know, and I don't tell doctors, you know, I'm sorry, and now that you have me open, I don't think you're handling this the right way. <laughs> um, because they went to school for years for that. If you went from license and registration to someone's got a gun in my face, which maybe you haven't thought about this because you aren't a policeman. I guarantee you this, if you were, you'd have a different outlook on it. <laughs> Some of you right now are like, I just, you know, they just abuse their power. Look, here, here's, here's the thing. You need to understand it's not about the personality, it's about the position. This is the problem that a lot of people have. This is why a wife can't submit to her husband. Well, he's a jerk. He might be. He might be the biggest jerk in the world. But first off, you married him. You want us to own the fact that you married him? Right? And secondly, okay, well, what does the Bible say about his position? See, it's, it's, it's not about, I like this person, so I'm going to listen to them. I don't like this person. I'm not going to listen to them. Now, having said this, please listen to me. I spend hours of my life at work trying to teach people how to lead people the right way, how to be a servant. And as you serve others, generally they'll want to follow you. But I'm going to tell you this. You could be the greatest leader of all time, Jesus Christ himself, and you're going to have people that rebel against your authority. You know how I know? Because it happened in the Garden of Eden, and it's been happening every single day since. Saul was no exception. He said, God, I'll do it, but I'll do it my own way. Look at verse 19. You know what the real issue was? Saul wanted to do this. That was, the, that was the real issue. All right? The real issue is not the people. The real issue was he wanted this. He thought this was good, and then he blamed everybody else for it when he had the finger of the preacher in his face. Can I show you in verse 22? This simple thought, God's value system is different than yours. I mean, you got so many examples of that in the Bible. Here's a woman that comes up, and back in the old Jewish custom, there was not a passing of a plate to give your offering, but rather you would bring your gift unto the altar, and you'd lay it there. And here comes this woman with two mites, pennies, and the Lord's sitting back over there watching. And he goes, hey, boys, you see that? They're like, what, that old lady? Yeah, did you see that? Well, yeah, we all saw her, but what's the big deal? She gave more than anybody else. Okay, Lord, we know you're a carpenter. Maybe you should have gone back to math, but <laughs> um, maybe you missed that in school. So let me help you out. She did not give as much as those guys did. They gave a whole lot more. Yeah, gentlemen, but your value system is different than mine. You know what Saul thinks to himself? I did everything but this one little particular thing that you mentioned, and you've got a problem with this? And the Lord's like, yes. Because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. I want to give you a couple of things tonight very, very quickly. And then we're going to kind of see a little bit of the end of this story. But a couple of things in regards to how to make sure you don't rebel. Number one, remember the source of authority. 
the source of the authority is God himself. Look at John chapter 19. Midweek Bible study, so let's look at some scripture, shall we? John chapter 19. John chapter 19. You know, it's amazing to me, Saul's trying to bring a sacrifice to God. And he tries to make the argument, well, I brought the best to God, right? And uh, forgive the Mayan illustrations, but I just got all this history crammed in my head. And, and the Mayans had this game, I'm sure some of you have seen it before, where you got the, the, uh, the hoops on the side that look like uh, inverted basketball goals, you know what I'm talking about? And they flip them up like this. Right? And, and, and they had this game where you'd bounce this ball and, and you had to get the ball through that, that hole, but you could not use your hands and you could not use your feet. So you're using your elbows, using your knees, you could bounce it with your head, but you could not touch it with this or with the, your feet. And so the, the thing was, I was always under the impression that the losing team would be killed. And that's, that's what a lot of people think. But actually, in all, when they look at the history behind it, what would oftentimes happen is the winning team would say, we're going to give you our best warrior and we're going to sacrifice him to our God. Can you imagine going into a game and you're like, hey guys, can we throw this one in? Hey, can you? I know you like to be the winner and all that, but I think this time it may be worth losing just once. But you know what they would do? They'd, they'd play their heart out and then the winner would go and get sacrificed to their God. You know what the real God thought of all of that? I don't accept that. Because I gave you the greatest sacrifice that could ever be given my son himself. But they were trying, weren't they? Weren't they trying? Weren't they giving their best? Yeah, but their best wasn't God's best. You understand? Now you can look at that and go, well, that's, yeah, that's bad. That's a, but, but what about in your own life? Remember the source. Look at John chapter 19. You say, what's going on? Jesus Christ right now in this story is before one of the, the most powerful people in that region of Palestine. His name is Pontius Pilate. Look at verse 10. Then said Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? You know what Jesus is doing? He's giving him the silent treatment. Pilate's asking these questions, and they're all saying things, and Jesus is just standing there. You know, Pilate finally got tired of it. And he said, Boy, don't you know who I am? <laughs> Look at verse number 10. Here in verse number 10, Pilate says unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have, what's the next word? Power. He does have power. But Pilate, you, for, you got some Alzheimer's going on. You forgot where you got the power. I've got power, as he says here, to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee. You know what Jesus answered him and said? Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from where? You know why you don't want to rebel against authority? Because ultimately it comes from God. And rebellion against authority is rebellion against God. Look at Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. Now, for those of you that, you know, think that maybe tonight Pastor Adrian forgot our heritage and how we started as a country overthrowing another government and, all, you know, fighting against the abuse of Britain and all that, I am thankful for our heritage, and I'm, I really am thankful to be an American. Uh, but I, I also want you to understand that sometimes things get blurred historically, especially in light of where you are today. I can look at things today and go, this is evil in the government, that's evil in the government, that's evil in the government. But let me ask you a question. Did Jesus Christ in the Roman civilization, when he lived in his lifetime, did he not have the ability to overthrow that government if he wanted to? Why didn't he do it? You know, he says in John chapter 18, if my kingdom were now of this world, then would my servants fight. You know why you're not called in 2022 to, you know, get up and fight against all this stuff? You know why you're not called to that? Because your battle today is a spiritual one. Because the kingdom you're trying to bring to this world is not a physical one right now. It is a spiritual one. Let the king bring it physically. Your job is to influence spiritually. All right? Uh, look at Matthew chapter number 19. Matthew 19. And I want you to see what Jesus Christ says here. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Matthew 28. Forgive me. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, look at verse 18, Jesus came and spake in them, saying, all, all power, is, verse 18, is given unto me in heaven and 
in earth. And then he tells them to go and preach the gospel in all the world. That's when he gives them their commission, which is still in effect today. But you know what he says before he gives them the commission? All power is given unto me. So if you've got power, the power of the gospel to influence others' lives, don't forget where that power came from. You know what that reminds you of? All true authority comes from God. And so to rebel against that authority, in essence, is to rebel against God. Let me give you this as well. Uh, look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, give me, uh, second, let me say this. Remember the rules of engagement. You see what I mean by that? When you're dealing with authority, it doesn't matter if it's in your home, if it's in the government, if it's at work, if it's between you and God, if it's in the church. Uh, listen, you, I'm just going to come out there and say this. Not everybody likes every decision that's made in a church. Can I, amen, right? I mean, when we took the donuts away, I thought I was going to get stoned. I thought my, my ministry was over. We used to have donuts here. Some of you don't know this. We had them every single Sunday. And, and when I said, okay, guys, let's get away from the donuts, you know, maybe do some fruit, I thought I was going to get lynched. I mean, it was some serious darts looking at me. I thought, man, I'm in trouble. Uh, listen, not everyone's going to like every decision that's made in the church. You may go and go, I don't get why Brother Jose had the young people do this. Well, let me ask you this. But not that anything's ever happened, Brother Jose. What's the problem, man? No problem. But let me ask you this. If you thought that, would you pray about it first? And secondly, if you approach the individual and have a question, have a question, not an agenda. Because the way you approach that person should be from a position of humility and honor. You may go, oh, why not that person? Because God has put them here for such a time as this. And listen, whether you like it or not, God said to a man, start a church here. And we started the church. And, and then he said, okay, put people in positions of authority. And whether you like it or not, those are the people that are there at this time. You may go, why don't we do this for college and career? Talk to them. But I'll tell you right now, if someone came to me and goes, I don't like my brother stay on to this, I would tell you, you know what you need to do? You need to go home and pray about it and then talk to Brother Steon because what you're doing is you're sowing discord and you're not handling the positions of authority the right way. Does this make sense? Now, I'm just using the church as an illustration. This works anywhere. You may get disgruntled at work and then all of a sudden you go to your coworker and go, can you believe they did this? Some of you are real quiet right now. Why don't you sit down with your boss? They won't listen. Have you tried? I tried. Okay, guess what? It's like two point something percent unemployment. There's a lot of jobs out there. Find one where you can submit to the authority there and, and follow that. If you cannot respect the culture there and you don't respect what, how they do things, guess what? There are other jobs out there. But you staying as a rotten apple and getting everybody around you upset ain't going to be good for you or for them. Can I, I, now look, you, you may not like what I'm saying, but listen, I'm, now, now you're talking to the CEO of a recruiting company, not just Pastor Adrian. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of work out there. So let me ask you this. If you go to them respectfully and they don't listen and you prayed about it, maybe pray about going to a different place. If God gives you the open door, take that. But staying in a place where you are frustrated and you become bitter, is that healthy for you? You know, I've literally told people, hey, look, if you don't believe this way at our church, I mean, I love you. I'll pray for you. I'll even be, after you leave, if you call me at midnight and go, hey, I'm struggling. I need help. I'll be there. <laughs> and I've done it. But it may not be that this is the right place for you to come to church because if you can't get on board, then... You see, that's the thing. Everyone thinks it's kind of a free-for-all. You don't do that in your own home, and yet when you come to church, like, and by my Lord... Kumbaya, rules don't matter, God, kumbaya, we can do whatever we want, kumbaya, no, it isn't that way, it's not that way at your house, it shouldn't be that way at your job, and it shouldn't be that way in the house of God, so when it comes to the, the, the rules of engagement, there should be some, hey, look, not because of the person, can, can I just, let me be flat honest with you tonight, okay, my pastor, Paul Inello in Tennessee, when I first went to church there, they didn't even believe in rightly dividing the Word of God. How many know what I mean by, by that? Rightly dividing the Word of God. Okay. If you've gone through discipleship, you've been trained the Word, you know what I mean by that. All right. He didn't believe that. You know what the Lord told me? Shut up. Everything else was right, but that was something that was kind of off. 
And you know what happened about six months while I was there? He had me over for his dinner one night, and he goes, hey, uh, what do you think about all this? I'm like, ah, oh. well, and he knew my background. He did. I said, well, here's what I think about it. And he said, this and this and this and this. And this. You know what I never did? You're an idiot. You don't know your Bible. Where'd you go to school? Some man teach you that? Now, you know what I did? I just said, well, here's what I think it is. Here's what the Bible says. Six months later, he sends out an email to all his friends, including Mike Flick and Mike Dobbins, and says, hey, I've been wrong on this for years. I want you to know that I was teaching what I thought was right, but I was off, and I just want you to know publicly, I've changed on this position. Now, what if I got in there swinging? You know where I went to Bible school? Best Bible school in the world. I could straighten out all your people. Do you know what he did, that dirty dog? Once he changed his position, he goes to me and goes, Brother Adrian, you, you, know, you really know that? And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I think I can teach it. I was like, but why? He goes, I want you to teach it in Sunday school. I'm like, no! You've taught them the opposite for years now. You want me to get up and be like, listen to me. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 I'll get up and I'll preface it. And I'm like, okay, all right, as long as you do that. And, and, and you, but what, what I'm getting at is this. You will have more influence by submitting to things that are God's authority than by fighting. 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, look if you would at verse 1. It says, rebuke not an elder. Now, now listen to me. That does not mean if someone is biblically incorrect, you don't have the ability to go, hey, I, I don't know that I agree with this, and, and here's why I don't. That's fine. But, but look at what it says. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. You say, why does it say that? Because of the position, not because of the person. Now look, you may think, you may hate Donald Trump, and you may hate Joe Biden. I don't care what you think of him. Here's what I'll tell you, though. Whether you like them or not, as it relates to the government, you know what you're supposed to do? I, I want to teach my children, that's the president. Well, I didn't vote for him. Okay. You want to put a sticker on your car and say, I didn't vote for him? <laughs> I'd like to get one that says, I didn't vote for any of them. Don't hold me responsible. You know, I mean, but, but honestly, that's not the issue. The issue is how do you approach it? There's supposed to be some honor there. You know what Jesus Christ never did? And he had the chance to. He never, exposed, he never got there and, and went up before Pontius Pilate and made it all about the government. Did you notice that? He stuck to the issue. You know what you're tempted to get drawn into because you're online way too much, some of you? That. You need to get out of that. That's not where your head belongs. Now, look, you can, it takes you all the 30 seconds to pick up your head from reading the Bible and look around you and know the people in charge are not in charge. It's, a, it's an insane asylum run by the inmates. We can agree on that. But it doesn't mean that your attitude towards the authority should be Blankety, blank, 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 blank. Resist the urge to rebel. Resist the urge to rebel. Can I illustrate like this? Uh, l- let me remind you. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. We're going to wrap this up a little bit. 1 Samuel chapter 10. Is this making sense? God, God's kind of a big believer in authority. And when you push against it, you're pushing against him. Now, again, I, I, real, I know for a fact something I have said in illustrating this tonight is going to rub someone the wrong way. You may have a boss you don't like. You may have a parent you don't like. And there are some terribly abusive parents and terribly abusive bosses. And I'm not saying that they're right for what they're doing at all. What I would say is this. As an adult, if you're in a situation where you go, I cannot respect with a good conscience the authority structure in this company, that's when you pray, God, give me a company where I can respect what's going on. That's just the way to do it as a Christian. It'll help you, and it'll help those around you more than you realize. Uh, 1 Samuel, look at verse uh, chapter 10, and look, if you would, at verse number 1. And I want you to see something here. uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Who's getting uh, anointed is Saul. Verse 1, then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over what? See, there's that reminder. I'm making you the captain, but this ain't your stuff. These aren't your people. You know what the Lord does? The Lord reminds us all the time. 
these aren't our children. Yeah, they're mine. They have the last name. And even the ones that don't have the last name, pretty soon you're going to have my last name, right? Yeah, all right? And that's awesome. Praise God for that. But you know what? They're not mine. They're his. So when I make decisions about what I think is good for them, I have to go, Father, what do you think? And, and, and when it comes to your stuff, it's his. And you know what pastors should be reminded of? These aren't my people. I had a pastor one time say, you're talking to one of my people. What do you mean by your people? Uh, because they're God's people. We're just, we're just the, God's entrusted us and we're stewards, but that's it. See, Saul was anointed, but I want to show you because of Saul's behavior, what God did. And it's interesting. Look at chapter 16. So in chapter 15, uh, in chapter 13, Saul messed up because he offered a sacrifice he shouldn't have offered. He's not the priest. Chapter 15, he blows it again, and he shows the Lord that, hey, I'm just going to do things my own way. I don't care what God says. I'm going to find my own way to do it. And he pushes against God's authority. He rebels. And God says, you know what? In so many words, I'm done with you, Saul. So much so that in the very next chapter, you know what God does? God has a sitting king on the throne, Saul, and he goes and anoints another man to be king. Look at this. Look at chapter 16, verse number 6. Insert a young man named David. And it came to pass when they were come, and he looked on Eliab, and he said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Because, you know, he looked big and strong. Look at verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. I love that verse. Short people should love that verse. Amen? <laughs> it's not always about the Steons and the Joes. Lord knows that. Amen? Man, right? <laughs> yeah, I get jealous when we play basketball, all right? I'm sorry. Uh, look at this in verse 7. Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You say, what happens eventually? Well, look at verse number 13. David comes in the room. And you know what Samuel does? He takes that oil and he anoints David and the Spirit of God comes on David. Question, 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 question. Who's the king? David would be the king. Now, question, another question. Is God done with Saul? Here's what God declared. I'm not going to give you the kingdom. I'm going to give it to someone else. But Saul was still the king. David has now been anointed. Now, I'm going to fast forward through a lot of history. David kills a giant. The ladies come out and they do a cheerlead thing. Bob, Bruce, you know, it's not David, David, he's our man. If he, he can do it, no one can, you know. You know, and they're dancing and whatever else. And, and, uh, and Saul gets real angry about it and tries to kill David a couple times. And then really for the next several chapters in the Bible, what happens is David is eluding Saul from killing him. And David's done nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, you know what David never did? He never put his finger in Saul's face and said, do you know who I am? I'm the guy that's going to replace you, sucker. So back off. Never does it, not one time. As a matter of fact, come with me to 1 Samuel chapter 24. I want you to get a hold of this principle. 1 Samuel 24. Do you know what I, I now look, I, <laughs> I like to have a good time. I do. But I will tell you what I, I don't do to men that have an, had an influence in my life spiritually. I don't call them bruh. Amen. Amen. Well, I just don't think we need to have real titles. You, you, okay, all right. Can bruh be off that list of titles? Can we remove that one? You know what I ever did to Pastor Paul? What's up, dude? You know why? I, re- I respected who he was in my life. My own father, who, you know, he's getting older and not as strong as he used to be. To this day, when my dad's in my house, I listen, he doesn't tell me what to do. He understands how things work. He gets it. Yeah, he understands all that. But you know what I'll do? I'll respect him. Hey, Dad, we're going to do this. Uh, here's what we're planning on doing. You want to come along? Is that okay with you? Does that work for you? You're in my house now. No, you know, there's no need for that. There's a matter of honor there. I don't necessarily mean obedience. He's not, I don't need to obey my father at this point in my life, but I should honor him. Do you understand? 
I don't, I'm no longer under the ministry of Pastor Paul Ionello at this moment in my life. But man, if he calls me or reaches out, all right, I'm talking to him. It's not, I still to this day call him Pastor Paul. Whatever you want to do with that, it's up to you. I still feel that way. I'm not going to call him, hey, bro. You know what our society's done? We have dumbed down language so bad that when you talk like a real human being, you don't, people don't know how to handle it. We, listen, there should be a matter of, listen, Joe's younger than me by 50 years or something. I don't know. <laughs> when we're having a real, I, I, you know, when I, when I refer to him as in, in, in ministerial matters here at this church, this is Brother Joe. And that's Brother Steele. And that's Brother Jose. And that's Brother Sean. And, and listen, I may call him Jaimito de vez en cuando, pero este es el hermano Jaime. Uh, this is Brother James. You say, why? There should be a matter of esteem one for another and respect. And, and you know what I see here in this story is David has every reason to go, Saul, you're a jerk and you deserve to die. And by the way, God's done with you. David knew it. Okay, if you're a young man and someone comes and puts oil in your hand and goes, you're going to be the king. And then you go win a battle and the king that is there is this guy that's kind of a jerky, jerky, jerk face guy and you're always around him and you see all his flaws. Wouldn't you be tempted to be like, do you know who I am? I'm your replacement, sucker. I, I want you to see what happens one time. Saul is chasing David. And, and David has a chance to kill Saul. Look, I want you to see some. Look at 1 Samuel 24. And look, if you would, at verse number 5. And it came to pass. Uh, we'll go back to verse uh, uh, 4. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy unto thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. You know what that means? He snuck, into, he snuck into the area where Saul was at, and he took a piece of his clothing. And literally, as he's walking away, he goes, I should have done that. Look what it says. Look at verse number six. He said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master. You're what? This guy's trying to kill you, man. David, wake up. Do you realize who this guy is? I mean, David must be one of those people that's just, you know, in an abusive relationship. No, I don't think that's what it is. David's a man's man. He kills a lot of people. He's not insecure about his manhood, which is why he's not like a lot of us sometimes who cut people all to shreds to try to prove how strong we are. David doesn't do that. I want you to see this. The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master. The next couple words are pretty important. It wasn't because of who Saul was in his personality. It was what Saul represented in his position. That was the man that God anointed. Yeah, but David, don't you know you're his replacement? Yeah, but listen, he's ready to understand. The conversation that Samuel had with Saul was a private conversation. And while David probably knew some of those things, David did not feel it was his place to rush God's timetable and kill that jerk and go, okay, now I'm here. You know what he did? He just sat back and said, I shouldn't have even cut off part of his clothing. Lord, would you forgive me for that? I got a little bit heated in the moment. I'm mad. This guy's chasing me for no reason. My friends were rallying me up like, yeah, dude, get him, hit him, hit him, bro. Come on, cuz, slap him, bro. And, and so there I was, and I did it, and then I realized this isn't right. Look what it says here in verse number six. The Lord's anointed to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise. You know what they were going to do? They were going to kill him. And David goes, guys, stop. I should not have even cut off some of his clothing. That was wrong. And they're probably looking at him going, this is your chance. Take your chance. Kind of like Jesus with the apostles, and they're going, Jesus, this is your chance to fight back. Take your chance. And you know, the reason Jesus was submitted to human authority was not because of those human authorities. There was nothing good about them at all. It was simply because he was doing his father's will. 
Go to Acts 5 and we'll close with this thought. God is the highest authority. And, and I'm, I, I want to stress this because for those that might believe that I've been trying to teach that you blindly follow people that are in positions of authority, I completely am not saying that at all. Because there comes a point where someone that's in authority is going to ask you to do something against your conscience that breaks God's law. And I'm telling you, in America, we're not that far away from being uh, pushed into a corner. When you got laws that are being passed about what you can, you know, you got to refer to someone in this manner, you can't refer to them in this manner, and if you don't, it's a hate speech, all that kind of, you're getting close to some trouble. All right, but, but let me just remind you, the highest authority is not the boss, it's not the pastor, it's not the, the father, it's not the husband. You know who the highest authority is? It's God. If I came in here and I said, hey guys, quit preaching the gospel. It's old-fashioned. You know what you should do? Slap me in the name of Jesus, number one. <laughs> but, but all joking aside, you know what you ought to do? Pastor, I don't know where you're at. I'm not sure where your heart's at, but this isn't right. And I love you, but I don't agree with that. And find a church that does preach the gospel. Do you see what I'm saying? Acts chapter 5. If I went to my wife and said, uh, Hey, babe, we're just going to take a sabbatical. I'd love to. From what? Eh, church. Now, if I can be very candid and transparent, it's Wednesday night. Can I let down my hair? Let down your hair, preacher. I'll be vulnerable with you. If there are people that will be tempted to do that, it could be pastors. When, when you are trying to help others, and then you see them go off and do the opposite of what you said, after a while you go, What am I doing? And that's human. I'm not saying it's right, but it's human. If I were to go to my wife and go, hey, we can have a lot less stress. You want to just take a year off of church? You know what? I know my wife. She'd say, babe, not a chance. I love you. I love you. And if you ask me to make you coffee a certain way, no problem. But you asked me to quit church? If I, went, if I went to my kids and said, hey, quit reading your Bibles. You know what they ought to do? Biblically? Dad, I love you. You mean so much to me. You work so hard. You are the, the provider. Of you. I love you so much. I love you, everything you've done for me. But Dad, I can't. Because what you're asking me to do is against God's word. You see, because at the end, God's the highest authority. I've sat down with the founder of our company and said, excuse me, I need to pray. You can do whatever you want with that. I don't care. I'm not saying to pat myself on the back, but he knows when we have breakfast and we meet a couple of times in, in a month, when we have breakfast, we, we, I'm going to pray. He doesn't have to pray with me. I don't care what he does. You, could, you, know, you know, think about whatever is going on around him. I'm going to stop. I'm going to pray. You say, why? Because he's not the highest authority. God is. Whatever authority he got was given him from the Lord. So at the end of the day, the right view of authority is, look, God, I don't want to rebel against something unnecessarily. The only time I will not obey to an authority is when they have rejected your authority. Look at Acts chapter 5, and we'll close with this thought. Acts 5, verse number 27. When they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you? that ye should not teach in this name. And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now, you can't quote that when you don't pay your taxes. You understand? Because Jesus paid his taxes. You get get that? I mean, listen, you know what he tells them? Go grab a fish. It'll, I know what you're thinking. Well, if, if Jesus would pop fish out of the water for me, I'd pay my taxes more happily too, right? But in regards to that, he paid his taxes to show you an example of something, all right? And, and, and so what you need to understand is this, that in regards to, I think, Richard, you got a little guy following you. Okay, no, he's not. Uh, what, what you need to understand is this, is that 
the Lord in regards to your life is going to go, okay, how far with my authority are you willing to go? When you do break away from authority, is it because it's going against me or is it because it's going against you? And this is why, and I'll close with this thought, this is why he says to Saul, stubbornness is like iniquity and what else? No, that was rebellion. Stubbornness is, is iniquity and idolatry. Because when you rebel against authority unnecessarily, you're saying, I'm God. And the one that started that whole thing was the devil himself. Christians, you can have a lot more peace in your life, peace in your walk with God, and filling of the Spirit of God like Brother Javen was talking about if you would submit to the authority that God's placed in your life. Let's all stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, we thank you for the night. Lord, help us to learn to see things like you do. Lord, we don't. By nature, we don't. God, I pray that you'd help us to see rebellion for what it is. It's not always all out. I'm not going to listen to anything anyone tells me. I'm not going to listen to anything God says. But sometimes it's simply, I'll listen to you, God, up to a point, And then from there, I'm going to do it my own way. God, would you help us to get that mentality out of our minds? Kind of a, Lord, of an, an entitled mentality when it comes to you. God, you have saved us. You have given us eternity. You've given us your son. You've given us everything. And Lord, for us to be entitled about how we approach our service to you, Lord, would you, would you help us to look at this, Lord, from the standpoint of when you've shown us what is right, especially when it's hard and we don't want to do it, God, would you, would you help us, Lord, to submit? Lord, give us strength, give us courage. It takes those things. And Lord, I, I do pray that you help us or when we get into a situation in our lives when we're being pushed to submit to an authority that goes against what you're saying, God, to handle that the right way. But Lord, I know this much. Our example, Jesus Christ, Lord, you, you had all the opportunity to... to to address things that we think are important and you just didn't, you didn't do it. You stayed focused on your mission and we are thankful because if you didn't, we wouldn't be here right now. Or would you help us to have that mentality in the world around us today? Lord, tomorrow, when you say, give that person a tract, (laughs) help us to remember the message. Lord, tomorrow when maybe our kids say something and we have a chance to lovingly and graciously correct them, Lord, would you, would you remind us not to take matters in our own hands, but to do it your way. Lord, just all the things that we face on a moment-by-moment basis in our life every day, Lord, just our problem is we don't want to submit, Lord, we need to. God, help us. The Lord's spoken to you tonight. The altar is open. Just, uh, be gone pretty soon and back to the normal schedule of things for the rest of the week. But ask yourself, am I a rebel? Am I going so far? You know, here's what's interesting. There's some of you that are bound by duty and you're all about duty, things that you have to do and you'll pass right by somebody and you won't tell them about Jesus Christ. And some of you will witness to a light pole, but there's issues of duty that are lacking. And, and, and what I'm saying is this, wherever you're at in your life, if you can just get fully on and submit to God's leadership, the, the revival, the spiritual blessings, the peace... The, fil- the fullness of God's presence in your life, all of that is missing, even as a saved person, man. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we hope you get saved. 
not because we have any great authority. We don't in and of ourselves, but there is power in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's not our power. <laughs> it's his. Because he died, he was buried. But what makes him different than any other religious figure on this planet that ever has been is he didn't stay in the ground. Thank God he arose from the dead. It's made all the difference in the world, in our lives. If you're not saved, maybe as far as people go, you're a good person. But I'll tell you what the real issue is. You haven't submitted to the truth from God's word, that God loved you enough to see that your condition and you being a sinner required a savior. I saw some something someone posted online trying to be funny. Saying something about the fact that I don't know why God is trying to save people that don't want to be saved. You know, I didn't need a Savior. I just need God to get out of my way and all this kind of stuff. You don't want that. (laughs) You don't want that. Hope you got some of the Word of God tonight. Hope the Lord spoke to you. And uh, I want to, again, thank you, church, for loving each other, for being here, being faithful on Sunday. And... uh, and Brother Sean, again, thank you for bringing the word last Wednesday. Appreciate that. And, uh, you know, the example of uh, some of these young people going out and being a witness. And Viviana, thank you for that testimony. And, uh, man, it just makes you want to go and makes you want to go do it, you know. Uh, so I pray you're encouraged tonight. And I pray the Lord spoke to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm going to ask uh, Brother Steon if you would dismiss us in a word of prayer. In a couple of months, we're going to have our missions fair and kind of a missions emphasis month. And I'm probably going to ask you, brother, during that month to pray in Afrikaans and then maybe translate. So if you don't mind, just be prepared for that. But dismiss us in a word of prayer tonight. God bless you guys.